How can we restructure our health care system to afford health care for Americans? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Donald Fry, Executive Vice President of Clinical Outcomes Management at Michael Pine and Associates, a healthcare think tank. Prior to joining Michael Pine and Associates, Dr. Fry had a 30-year distinguished career as Professor of Surgery, Chairman and Chief of Surgery, and Director of Trauma at the University of New Mexico Health Sciences Center. Welcome, Dr. Fry. Thank you, Dr. Hill. Today we are discussing restructuring the United States health care system. Dr. Fry, do we need to restructure the health care system in the United States? I think that there's considerable evidence that would point to our need to restructure care in several dimensions. Which dimensions are those? I believe the dimensions within the access to care for the many Americans that do not have insurance. I believe we need to restructure the cost and the quality outcomes assessment so that we are more efficient in the expenditure of our dollars. Does this mean perhaps that we should have a national health system? I really don't believe that a national health system will improve overall access, uh, nor will it make for a more efficient system whatsoever. So I actually think that the key for health payment reform and for restructuring our system really lies in reorienting our incentives in the way that care is provided. Well, how do we deal with the problem of the uninsured using the emergency room as their primary care physicians? Well, I'm not sure that I have the best solution for that other than to say that it would be nice if we had a dedicated unit of primary care physicians so that we could bring all of those patients under a system where their care could be managed and we could reduce the patients going to the emergency room for really what are their primary and their routine care needs that could ordinarily be met within the office scenario of care. And so we're going to have to deal with the uninsured getting insured, and then we, I believe, have to provide incentives or disincentives to move patients to accessing their care in the correct venue. Who should run our health care system? Should it be physicians? Should it be administrators? Should it be legislators? Well, I think who should run it is a uh, highly problematic issue. I think at present time we have nearly 50% of health expenditures that are paid by the federal government in one form or another. So who's paying for the care will in large part dictate who's going to run the care. And so I think we're fast approaching the point as the federal government is getting greater than a 50% position in paying for it, that they are likely to be the ones that will dictate how the care is run and administered unless 
the private sector within the U.S., hospitals, physicians, and perhaps even insurance companies, can provide an alternative model that would make it practical for government to stay out of running the system. Do you think us physicians have somewhat lost control? I think there's been a steady and progressive loss of control of physicians As the managed care initiative unfolded in the 90s, physicians had less control over uh, patient care decisions. Prior approval became a fairly standard and accepted means of initiating a patient's episode of care management. And so I believe as there has been less responsibility for patients paying for their care, more dependence upon insurers and government as being the paying entity, physicians have steadily lost uh, control of directing the way the care for their patients is being managed. Is there a model of health care in another country that perhaps we can learn from? Well, I think there's been much discussion about that in terms of heavily socialized systems where care is all provided at government expense, such as in France and in the United Kingdom. There are many governments and many countries, not unlike our own, where there are private patients and then there are public sector patients. I think one of the things that is somewhat unique to the U.S. compared to our other Western colleagues is having a number of patients who really don't qualify for either a public or a privately insured program to provide their care. What do you mean by that? In the U.S. now, we have about 45 to 50 million Americans that are without any form of insurance. That is a fairly unique phenomena if you compared ourselves to Canada or to the Western European democracies where their health care may be run by the government and may be heavily socialized. There are not patients that are disenfranchised by not being covered by any program And to that end, I think the political agenda of the present time is feeling compelled to have to address that in some form. And so I guess to that end, we have to take notice of what other governments have done. The reality is, is that there is no standard best way, and we're probably going to have to design something that will fit with our cultural and our social structure here in the U.S. Well, did we cause this problem ourselves? No. I think this has been the evolution of our having a health system that was dedicated to trying to provide the most sophisticated care possible. It resulted in care becoming costly. It resulted in a greater reliance on the insurance mechanism. I think the private insurance mechanism 
mainly run through employers and through businesses, has left a large number of people progressively being left out of the coverage system, either by employers that don't participate in providing insurance and for those individuals who are not employed. When you hear that for every automobile coming out of Detroit, that it costs $1,500 per person for that health care, that seems exorbitant. It does seem exorbitant. I've heard it phrased another way, is that it costs more for health care for the United Auto Workers than it does in steel for each automobile that's actually produced. And it reflects the fact that we have a cost problem within our care system that has put us into the position of having the most costly care on a per capita basis in the world, even at the same time that we have as many as 15% of our population without insurance of any kind. After Michael Moore's movie came out and people saw what he showed, the Canadian system, the French system, the UK system, it sure seemed like those systems were better than the United States. Is this just false? When you measure a system, you have to specifically identify what the criteria are that you're going to use as your measuring stick. So the Canadians have health care coverage for everyone, but they certainly do have waiting periods of time for patients to receive many aspects of care. There have been lots of discussions about wealthy Canadians coming to the United States to be able to get their coronary artery bypass or their total joint replacement. So universal coverage in Canada has resulted in delays in the delivery of many routine kinds of care. This has certainly been true in the UK and in other of the Western European countries. So there's no magic bullet here. If you're paying less for care like Canada, but you are having everybody covered, then there has to be either tremendous efficiency or there are other means of rationing or restricting immediate access to certain aspects of care to allow coverage and the cost to meet each other. I want to thank Dr. Donald Fry, who has been our guest. We have been discussing restructuring the United States health care system. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to check out our website at www.reachmd.com, which now features on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thank you for listening.